0: I'm Misty Winkler from Simply Convivial. Simply, because I try to be clear, straightforward, and honest. Convivial, because my aim is a cheerful, lively home together with my people. Episode 4 You're listening to the Simply Convivial audio blog. Short but meaty segments to keep you focused and in the game as a homeschool mom. Atmosphere makes up one-third of our education efforts. And Convivial sums up the home and education lifestyle that we're after. Lighthearted, festive, together, full of life, and yet rich and meaningful. Add a dash of simple to keep it real and manageable, and you have simply Convivial. I'm all about classical education in our homeschool, but that's because I think that the best minds from the beginning of history have been wrestling with the same questions that we homeschool moms do. How do we make lifelong learners? How do we teach our kids not only what is right, but to love what is right and do it? How do we do that ourselves? How do we know what is most important to do with our limited time and energy? Joining that conversation is something we can all do, regardless of the label that we choose. Let's do it. For the first season of the Simply Convivial audio blog, I'm revisiting one of my favorite series, the Education is for Life series, where I take the principles of classical education and apply them to the home and our lives as mothers. This series was inspired by a set of webinars by Dr. Christopher Perrin, which you can find along with a set of pretty printable commonplace entries for all six Latin mottos that go with these posts, at simplyconvivial.com slash audio that's simplyconvivial.com slash audio where you can also sign up to receive the show notes and links by email every week and now the meat seeking virtue or seeming virtue essay quam videre or virtue in the education is for life series In Christopher Perrin's lecture, Eight Essential Principles of Classical Education, he talks about educational principles, but for these musings of mine, I want to expand it beyond education and to our lives generally and broadly. While outlining this series, I wanted each of my principles to have a Latin motto for consistency and parallelism and fun. Dr. Perrin didn't have a Latin phrase attached to his educational virtues point, but then Tish Oxenrider at the Art of Simple used a Latin motto in a post title, Easy there, cowgirl, or Essay quam Ficere. Ese quam facere is a neat one, but Google couldn't find any other use of it. Instead, I kept finding Ese quam videre, as an ancient and still popular motto. It means to be rather than to seem. Cicero uses this phrase in his essay on friendship. Few are those who wish to be endowed with virtue rather than to seem so. Is this true of us? Would we rather look good than be good than do what is right? What if we prioritized being good and doing good over looking good? And I'm not talking about makeup. It is simpler and more immediately rewarding to have people think we are good than to expend the effort and rise to the challenge of really pursuing virtue, regardless of people's opinion of us. At the park with our children, is it more important to us that we appear like good moms, or that we actually do what our children need us to do, regardless of what other park moms think? When having people over, do we care more about making it seem like we have our act together, or actually have our act together enough to prioritize keeping in fellowship with our children over conquering dust, fingerprints, and crumbs, if we have to choose. Being and doing good does not always give us the payoff of looking good. If we must choose, which will we choose, being or seeming? Yet, actually having these virtues is hard work. Seeming to have them is easier than actually having them. Seeming to have them will make us more popular than actually having them, than actually obeying God's commands. To be virtuous, rather than simply seem so, will require diligence and perseverance in the midst of adversity. Virtue is not a magic trait that smooths paths and makes life soft and easy. Rather, it's more like the opposite is true. Virtue is forged in the furnace of trial and temptation. You can't have courage without fear. You can't have patience without difficulty. You can't have self-control without warring desires. Virtue is a fruit that God grows in us through adversity. But paradoxically, the best tactic for pursuing virtue is to act as though you already have it this is not the same thing as seeming to have it because the point is to be and not simply to appear to be. What we are is shaped by and formed by what we actually do. C.S. Lewis tells us this when he writes, very often the only way to get a quality is to start behaving as if you had it already. Virtue at home. One thought that I remember Doug Wilson saying in many contexts, is that clean homes do not have fewer messes. They are simply picked up more often. His point was that clean living, living in fellowship with one another, is the same way. Being in fellowship doesn't mean we never fight or disagree or sin against one another. It just means that we make it right early and often. We can apply this in both ways in our homes. A tidy home is not one where no one makes any messes, but where the messes are tidied up regularly. A happy family isn't one where no one disobeys or fusses or fights, but where such messes are made right afterwards. You haven't failed if, at one point in time, the house is a disaster. You just have a job to do. You haven't failed if, at one point in time, you lose it with the kids. You just have a job to do. Model repentance for them. You haven't failed if, at one point in time, your child is throwing a temper tantrum. You just have a job to do. Help them regain self-control and seek forgiveness. Look at the big picture rather than the snapshot in time. Look at the direction you are headed and not where you are at this instant. Virtue in schedule. T.S. Eliot has a line of poetry that comes to me with frustrating regularity. Dreaming of systems so perfect that no one will need to be good. I fall into this trap often. I think that if I just arrange the schedule the right way, institute a reasonable house cleaning regimen, or organize all the closets. Then life will be easy. If I get my act together and my systems humming, then I will no longer lose my patience, be frustrated and unhappy, or speak an unkind word. Moreover, if I only implement the right system, my children will no longer struggle either. They will always be kind, obey, and diligently apply themselves to their work. Sometimes, what I am seeking is not a way to faithfully steward my time and resources, but a way to achieve instant and complete perfection in one fell swoop. I don't actually think there's anything wrong with systems. They can help, especially if you have a plan-oriented personality. However, they cannot actually control life. God controls life, and we have to trust Him rather than our systems. The systems can help us handle the life that God sends, but they will never remove the need for us to practice virtue personally and constantly. The point of the plan, the schedule, the organization, and the system should be a method of applying faithfulness. The daily application of faithfulness is never made obsolete. Virtue as Mother The wonderful thing about children is that they always see through seeming You cannot put on a facade for them. That's why being a mother is so sanctifying. It's maddening sometimes, but it's good to be forced to face ourselves, forced to have our weaknesses made evident. It is painful, but it's the only way that they can really be dealt with. One of the blessings that children provide is the opportunity for this sanctification to be worked in us. As mothers, we also want virtue for our children. Sometimes we would prefer virtue in our children, more than we desire virtue for ourselves. But the best way to teach virtue to our children is to model it for them, because children learn through imitation. So if we do not love and pursue virtue ourselves, our children will not learn to do so from us. And if we pursue and grow in virtue ourselves, then it has not been an unprofitable time, even if our children do stray from the path. Being called to model virtue for our children is also encouraging not because we will ever be perfect examples for our children to imitate, but because an important thing for our children to learn is repentance, both seeking and giving forgiveness. When we mess up, it is a chance to model apologizing and making things right. If we are able to live together, forgiving one another 70 times 7, then fruit is growing even in the midst of 70 times 7 failures. Remember that seeking virtue is a path that we are traveling and not a destination we will ever achieve in this life. The momentary failures are made successes when we get back up and make it right. And now for the Simple Sanity Saver segment. This season, we're talking all things brain dump. If you've never done a brain dump before, you can get started at simplyconvivial.com audio with my free download guide. So if you've been working through a brain dump with this series, you might already have a thorough brain dump, or maybe you've done a thorough brain dump before, and you've worked through it and deleted what you can. Now you have a collection of things that you think maybe you should trash, but maybe you should save. How do you make that call? So here's what you do. Start a fresh list. Make two columns. One column is discuss and the other is someday maybe. As you flip through your brain spillage, move onto the clean list in the someday maybe column, any projects, goals, hopes, etc. that you can't do now, but you'd like to do in the future. Once they're on the new list, cross them off your brain dump notebook so you don't need to filter them visually again when you go through for important things. If you have items in your brain dump that you just can't decide about, if you aren't sure whether or not it's an unrealistic expectation, if you aren't sure if you should be doing this or concerned about that, add it to the discuss column and cross it off in your brain dump. Those issues that make it onto the discuss column are now your agenda items. One by one over time or in one big heart-to-heart session, ask your husband about what he thinks about your list. If he is bewildered or laughs or thinks you're crazy, then you're probably safe to cross that worry right off the list. Women's minds are great at manufacturing drama or anxieties that don't really have a basis in reality. Ask your husband for a reality check and listen to him. Sometimes we need to talk it through to figure out what's even underneath our own concerns, and that sort of verbal thinking might need a girlfriend's ear. Choose one or two other women whose opinion you value and hash out your musings. Remember that your goal is to be able to move the issues off the discuss list and into the trash or onto the someday maybe list or maybe even straight onto the calendar. The goal is not to manufacture more drama or elicit sympathy or complaint. Move toward resolution and choose people that will help you do that. Find prompts and helps for your brain dump guide at simplyconvivial.com audio. Thank you for listening to the Simply Convivial audio blog. If you enjoyed this podcast, I'd love it if you'd leave a rating or review on iTunes. That helps iTunes decide to share it with others looking for homeschool inspiration. Head over to simplyconvivial.com slash review for a quick and easy way to help spread the word. Thank you. And if you haven't already, head over to simplyconvivial.com slash audio for links to the latest episodes to sign up to receive show notes, and to find this season's free download. Remember, education is repentance. Repent. Rejoice. Repeat.